Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to A Life Extraordinary. I'm your show host, Roberto Gibbons Gomez, photographer, videographer, world explorer, entrepreneur, skier, kite surfer, husband, kayaker, and my favorite one of all, father. I'm father to three, Mikio Orion Gibbons, Catalina Safia Gibbons, and Ariella Cassiopeia. I have, with significant help so far, gotten them to this point, happy and alive. <laughs> alive being the most important thing. As most parents know, we save our children's lives all the time, whether it be a, with a catch or advice, I think both we do. Uh, so to give you a bit of a glimpse into tonight's show, it's mostly going to be about how to travel with toddlers in tow. Um, my lady and I have taken Mikio, Catalina, and Sofia, all of, uh, Catalina, Sofia, and Ariella, all over the world. And um, Mikio, since he was born, actually, first trip was within two months internationally. And from then, 60 flights he had been on before the pandemic began. So, uh, so we've learned a few things along the way. We have a few stories uh, to tell. And if you have any stories to share as well, do let me know. Um, very nice to see a, a listener, Rebecca, from Mexico. Thank you for tuning in. Good cousin of mine. <laughs> she indeed knows so much about taking care and helping with little ones uh, that I wish she lived closer. Um, I come from a family with many, many, many cousins uh, on the Mexico side. But I digress. Back to the show. <laughs> um, so Mika's my five-year-old. And uh, to give you a little bit of background, he knows how to ski. He swims perfectly. Uh, he understands three languages, English, French, and Spanish. And, um, and he approaches kids very easily. And this, in large part, comes to travel. Because, thanks to traveling, whenever we're at a new hotel or a new destination, he has to approach new kids in order to entertain himself, uh, particularly at the pool area or at the beach. And this has made him a very, very approachable child. We've noticed that while Catalina is even more uh, adventurous, that's our, our three-year-old daughter, um, she still loves to be home a lot because during the pandemic, she had to be. So, so it's important, I think, to get your kids out traveling. And I think this episode is really to, to share with you how we do it and how the demeanor of our kids and ours throughout the travel affects, affects these trips. Um, and, and different types of trips. So we're going to go over uh, a little bit about uh, road trips, uh, backcountry trips, and, uh, and how we manage those, and even uh, the full-on breakdowns. Uh, hey, mom! <laughs> it's nice to have my mom on the show. She indeed also knows very much about raising the best son in the world. <laughs> you could say anything when, when they're not speaking right now, eh? But you're, you're welcome to chime in anytime. Um, Mikio gets very excited about small things. And this is one of the ways that we've uh, worked on making him get very excited about the big things and keeping him pretty much not to make life look boring because, oh, I've already done this many times or I'm going on a boat again or a plane again. Instead, every trip should be exciting. And I think it's very important with toddlers to, to be preparing them for the trip in advance by telling them what's coming up and why it's going to be fun and because we haven't done it before. Because if, if travel is exhausting for any of us 
on a long 20 day, 20 hour day, then it most definitely is for them as well. And if you want them to be uh, a little bit more chill, then by preparing them in advance, um, they will be able to uh, be more comfortable on the trip and likely in a much better uh, demeanor. So, um, so that's one of the things that we've done a lot, you know, say, hey, you're going on a plane to see Abu and Gramps and, and we keep repeating that. And, uh, and their concept of time is <laughs> for Katarina, for my daughter, it's everything's yesterday or tomorrow. <laughs> but, but children's concept of time is very different than ours. So, so when you repeat a few things to them, even if it's like months in advance that you're actually going on the trip, they start to mentally prepare for it. And, and I think that makes them a lot happier. Now, we as a family traveling all over the world have co-slept with our kids most of the time, pretty much all of the time. So I think this also helps when you're traveling, um, when you're changing hotels every few days uh, or going to new destinations and your kids are very young, you know, putting them in a different room is just gonna make everybody not get any sleep. So I'll begin with tips for traveling. I'll just take a sip here. Mm. Um, your kids are gonna marry you. Uh, and we've noticed that if, if one of us is anxious, uh, my wife would often say, oh, hey, you know, when my, whenever I would travel, my dad's anxious. And so it would make the whole family anxious. Um, and in my case, my parents have always been very relaxed uh, throughout travels and, and very uh, attacking the obstacles by looking at them uh, and analyzing them and looking for a solution. Um, and that makes, I think, travel a lot more uh, easier. So, so if you're relaxed uh, to begin with on your trip, if you're preparing your kids, telling them, hey, this is going to be super fun and exciting, um, then they're going to uh, approach it with a much easier demeanor than if they see you anxiously packing or talking to your partner about how are you going to do this and if that's concerning you and the COVID tests and the shots and how are the kids going to react? And, you know, they're going to, they're going to sense all that. You know, we give, we have to give our children much more credit for, for what they understand at such an, a, a young age. Um, but even, you know, I say this from a pedestal up here when the reality is that even I'm working on that uh, and making sure that when something doesn't go right in the middle of a trip, you don't react uh, extraordinarily bad because then your, your child reflects that and will feel that. So, uh, so instead of lately, I've been really good <laughs> instead of being like, Oh, Hey, what the F <laughs> with something that happens, just be like, all right, take a few breaths. Uh, and just don't say anything for 20 minutes until you can figure out a way around it. And I think that that makes kids feel much more relaxed, particularly on a trip. Now, while attitude can be said to be everything and, and it helps a lot. Uh, if a baby can't equalize their ears on a flight and they're six months old, then nothing's going to change that except trying to comfort them. Um, uh, there's a few things you can do, like my wife would breastfeed uh, or try and give them their bottle at the same time. But in our case, we just know about, well, my wife knows about the breastfeeding um, because that helps them be sucking on something that equalizes their ear. But I'm saying that Yes, while you can do your best with attitude, things sometimes go, go wrong and, and you just have to, to roll. And that, that's the most important thing. Otherwise, you get very blocked and <laughs> things can get ugly. I've seen families in disarray at the airport. And I do find that many families look at us in a curious way because here I am toting 10 checked bags, three car seats, a double stroller, a backpack carrier, and five or six carry-ons. And now with a family of, uh, 
of with three kids in tow. So uh, the right gear for a, a flight or a, a trip is very important. You know, make sure you're, you've got uh, plenty of diapers for the plane, uh, wipes. Uh, you know, I, I do see uh, my mummies and daddies with their travel bags. Uh, but there's some basic things that people often forget, just like some water or snacks. Um, we love to use the lounge because that allows you to corral your children in a safer space. Now, um, during pandemic, uh, we, we had to take a flight and my daughter, Catalina, at the time, <laughs> I would look horrified as she would lick everything or put everything in her mouth and play on the floor of the plane. But you just have to, you know, as much as you do your best, it's like, don't touch that, don't do that, please don't lick that. Oh God, she ate that. Um, you just have to kind of take a deep breath and try and minimize it, but at the same time, not uh, not think it's going to be the end of the world. But right gear uh, is definitely a, a big part of our lives, you know. Uh, if you've got a stroller at the airport, if you don't bring a stroller and your kid is tired on a 20-hour travel day, then they've got nowhere to sit down or lie down while you're trying to get between your gates. So, so definitely it, it, it's something that, that people might see as cumbersome, but it's well worth it if it saves you the agony of a crying child uh, that's too exhausted to walk anymore and that you're trying to carry with your carry-ons and the food you just bought at the shop for your other kid. So um, I'll take advantage for flying the stuff, you know, take advantage that uh, you've got early check-in for pretty much every airline. Uh, we'll say we will do pre-boarding for families with small kids. Um, take advantage of that because not having someone behind you waiting to pass while you're trying to sit down three under six uh, makes it a much more relaxing uh, experience. Um, we we have taken our, you know first our stroller on pretty much every flight trip and and it's come <laughs> well in use. Uh, if you've got one kid, I highly recommend the Thule Urban Glide. Uh, stroller it's got big wheels it goes everywhere it can take a payload and another nice thing about the stroller is you can put all the gear that you're carrying for the family uh down under it um i i did mention already i think about using using the lounge um i can't say enough because it's also you know some you can buy for 600 bucks access to the lounge for your family for a year and at the end of the day it ends up costing you less than if you were to go out and buy random foods in these random airports while waiting in long lines and uncomfortable to do so. It's often less expensive um, because the whole family tends to be obviously very hungry between flights and most airlines right now don't. The, the meals they offer are subpar uh, to say the, the least. Um, what else let's talk about? Uh, getting your kids vaccinated, touchy subject, but today we called to see if, if uh, our five-year-old was eligible because we'd received a message that he was going to be. And, um, and whenever somebody doubts or says anything, particularly anybody close, then I say, well, I, you must have the experience of going to school and studying science and medicine for the last 25 to 30 years of your life to make an opinion. If you don't, then follow science, folks, and uh, get your kids vaccinated. So hopefully my little one uh, Mikio can get it before we leave to Mexico. Otherwise, uh, not anybody know. I wonder, we'll have to find out if if their vaccine is actually the same one as ours as adults or if it's a different um, <laughs> concoction. Um, so while you can be very prepared for your travels, I have a few horror stories for you. <laughs> and the first one was when Mikio was only uh, two months old, we went on a trip to Mexico, to Puerto Vallarta, and we decided to go to 
you know, Belle and I like to explore small towns on the outskirts. And so we decided to go to one uh, by a beach, but it's about a two and a half hour drive on terracerias, which is basically uh, gravel roads to get to this, to this remote hotel uh, and town. And it overlooks a beautiful ocean, but it's in the middle of nowhere and there's no phone signal and there's no internet. So we get there and everything's going fantastic and we're on the beach and Mickey is super happy. And right after dinner, we, we think it was maybe because my wife had eaten broccoli or, or one of those cauliflower things that gave him lots of colic. And he started to bawl and bawl and cry and cry like we had never heard him. And being first-time parents, we were horrified. He was waking up the entire mountainside, just the way it was echoing. And the ladies there at the hotel were super nice, but we were obviously very concerned parents to be in the middle of nowhere with no internet or phone signal and to have this, this infant uh, going absolutely ballistic. Um, but for, for the whole night, it pretty much went on. First thing in the morning, uh, we drove back to the city um, to, to Puerto Vallarta. We went to, to see a doctor, and to be honest, it was a very subpar doctor. <laughs> My mom will berate me for saying this, but it's true. Um, so, what you know, in our case now, we're able to we contact family as well, as, which are in, in doctors as well as our own family doctors. So, if, if ever you have an issue, just uh, just try and get in touch with your doctor back home. Have his phone number or email. And then you can ask any questions, you know, but being prepared for these trips is very important. Um, we found out, yeah, he had like two days of colic and, and that was it. But uh, you never know what it's going to be. So travel insurance is important. Another of the things, check, things we always check off. Um, it's one of those things that it's better to have and not need than need and not have. Um, so I've taken you a little bit through the flying side of things. Um but how about uh, putting it into practice? So let's start with gear for for uh, backcountry adventure trips. So when I'm traveling with the kids, uh, whether it's in New Zealand to go canoeing or kayaking, or whether it's in Quebec or or BC, uh, we make sure to have the things that your kid will need in case of an emergency. So um, medical kits, uh, any any uh, Tylenol for kids, or any Advil. Um, the the what saline solution to take uh, snot out of your daughter's or 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 sons if they're an infant's nose. So having a really prepared kit when you're in the backcountry in particular takes a lot of the stress away from from being out there. And uh, and we've had you know we had <laughs> actually I'll tell you another story first. On one trip we did a canoe trip and we paddled out about 75 kilometers. Imagine we're in the tundra, Northern Canada. The bugs are crazy. We're with Mikio. We just carried the canoe for four kilometers with the trips that we had to do back and forth. Mum or dad has to stay alone with Mikio while the other one does a load because it was just for practical. So Bear territory too. <laughs> so wife wasn't too ecstatic at the time of, oh, okay, you're going to leave me here. She didn't really, actually really mind, but sometimes she, with a story that happened later on, um, you'll understand why she is cautious nonetheless. So we've canoed all the way uh, out here with Mikio and we're gone for about uh, a week and a half. Um, and we, it's, the temperatures are hovering between zero and five degrees Celsius. And he's a year and a half old. 
and we ran out of diapers. We're 200 kilometers from the next human being in the bush, and we've got no diapers. And because the temperatures are very cold, you if, if you say you use a, a, an old t-shirt or a t-shirt, whatever you had, uh, and then the baby peeps, pees or poos, you still have to change it and clean that because obviously it's very cold uh, for them to have it on at any time. So we thought we were going to have to sacrifice we were, we were, it was going from like the, the clothes you least care about to the clothes you most care about. Beginning with these uh, old boxers. All right, let's do it. And so that was night number one. And then night, day number two would be like, oh, well, this T-shirt was has had a long life. <laughs> um, so you do what you can and you MacGyver it. Um, but when the, when the pilot arrived to pick us up, because on this trip, we were getting picked up by a float plane, he, he was a father. And the reason is I can say that is because he thought he brought three different size of diapers, uh, just in case, because <laughs> he knew you, he didn't know what size our, our kid was, right? Mm. Excuse me. <clears throat> um, so on the canoe trip, I was telling you that, uh, that why Bella tends to be worried sometimes um, when we're out in the bush w- with the kids, especially if I leave her alone with the kids and I go off to do some, some type of adventure, aside from being a woman with kids alone in the bush, <laughs> miles from any help, um, is that um, we did this canoe trip where we carried the, the canoe in about four kilometers. So first I carry the gear in. I do three or four trips to Chequemus Lake. And then I, I bring, I carry the canoe in. And what we do is we do a, a canoe camping trip along the lake and few people uh, bring a boat up there. But when you're traveling with toddlers, having a canoe or kayaks makes everything much easier because you don't have to carry the gear. You just have to paddle the gear. Excuse me. And this allows us to, um, to take it very, uh, to take as much food or, or whatever we need. But on this canoe trip, we'd been out for about five or six days and we're paddling back and uh, Shireen's in the front of the canoe with Catalina, Mikio's in the middle, and I'm in the back. And she quickly says, stop, 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 stop. And it's really, really dark. And we're about six meters from shore. So quite close. And it's about sunset, six, six o'clock at the time. And a giant black bear is standing there looking at us. Um, and, and we're just horrified. <laughs> well, not horrified. Bella's like, paddle back, paddle back, paddle back. So we, we, we quickly paddle back. Um, and and the bear's just like standing there, not not moving. And we tell our buddy, uh, one said, hey, look, dude, there's a bear. And it's like, where? where? Oh, boy. <laughs> and it's a pretty big guy. And the guy didn't want to move. So now imagine you're with uh, t- your, your pregnant wife, your four-year-old, and your two-year-old. And, uh, and you've got this scenario that you can't land your canoe because there's a bear standing there and he doesn't want to move. So we, we make a racket, we make a bunch of noise and, and eventually he does move. And when we, we landed the boats now, you know, you want to kind of get out of that area pretty quickly, particularly because we found a can that looked like it had been opened up by Edward Scissorhands or something, because it was just ripped apart. And so that had been a long weekend. And I'm guessing that some, non-educated backcountry person left the can in the bush. Uh, it was like a Clamato uh, alcoholic beverage and the bear had just gone to it all in. 
Um, so we made it that we, we hiked out of there quite quickly with the kids, suffice it to say. And, uh, and that's just one of the stories of why, you know, we tend to be a little bit more cautious with bears when we're camping. Now, another caution, another tricky thing when you're camping with the kids is, is are they going to be having anything that smells or anything, any chocolate bars or candies squished into their clothing? And often, of course, they do. So before we had kids, we were religious about no food ever in the tent, uh, unless it's we're eating in the vestibule in some kind of storm that ne necessitates it and there's no w wildlife around. Okay, but otherwise, no, because that's when you're, you're most vulnerable for a bear to come in. So now when we're camping with a toddler, uh, well, three now, <laughs> well, two toddlers and an infant, um, there's so many scents, right? The diaper reeks, The uh, it's sometimes they're scented, uh, the the cream that you put on the baby, um, the creams that you put on the kids. Uh, then we find in the morning, of course, Katrina will, you, you think you got everything. And then she puts her hand in her pocket and whips out like two chocolates. And you're like, where did that come from? <laughs> and that night you slept there. So bears have a very high sense of smell. It is tricky to camp with the toddlers, but the best you can do is try and do everything to, to put the food in a cachet away, or at least you put it in your buddy's tent and not yours and the kids. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you put it a little bit further away. I like to do put it downwind from us so that if wildlife is smelling it, then they would get to it before they got to the other sense that they would find uh, in our tent. So another neat thing with toddlers and people will say, what, really, you guys? Uh, that we bring to, to keep them happy in times of necessity, i.e. when we're paddling in the middle of a lake and the winds are very bad and we're going between campsites and we really need to just focus on paddling, uh, we will whip out the iPad So uh, in a waterproof case. So <laughs> some might say, really? It's like, yes, it's when it's necessary. Um, it definitely helps a lot to be able to focus on whatever you're going to be doing. And anyways, the kids end up playing with sticks and stones, which they love for for hours uh, during the day when you're in the backcountry. Anyhow, jumping into uh, a different type of travel and a few of the tips that you should, uh, and things that you should bring, road trips. Um, you know, when you're getting to another country, you really want to have an adequate car. When it was just us as a couple, it didn't matter, matter if it was one of those tiny little <laughs> shoot box cars that you could blow away with or flick away with with your finger because uh, safety didn't seem so important at the time. Uh, but now with children, for sure, you want to find yourself a good SUV or, or a minivan or a pickup um, and, and verify where your car seat can go. Um, in Europe, it, the cars tend to be smaller and oftentimes one of the only spots to put the car seat is, even if it's not the best, is a front passenger seat. And if you're doing that, some of the cars have a switch that allows you to deactivate the airbag and other ones don't. So if you get a car that you can't deactivate the airbag, for example, a small camper van in Iceland, um, then you need to find, ask them for one that you can, because obviously the airbag can uh, kill your kid just with the blast. Um, one of the things that's important for us in travel is obviously um, not having objects flying around in the car. So in case of an accident, if you've got some big thermoses or whatnot, um, we try and keep those in the trunk or in the back or in an area that they're not loose because that's the type of things that often can, can injure kids. Um, there, 
when you're traveling with kids, one of the very, very common things uh, that will happen is uh, on a road trip is getting sick. Um, we were uh, driving the spectacular, lush, uh, tree-lined, winding road called the Road to Hana in Maui um, with Mikio. And he was not feeling the movement at all. And it, of course, this road is up and left and right and, and, and all over. Uh, and it was a, a bit of a poltergeist horror show, the way uh, that, was it him that puked there? Or was it Katadina? I don't think we had Katadina yet. It's a bit of a blur. Um, but uh, so we had to pull over and obviously uh, do damage control. But uh, definitely taking, we've learned that now when we do a road trip is you, you go to the flow of your kids, you stop when you have to. And that's one of the reasons we jumped into the Airstream life is that by having a camper van, then we're able to stop wherever we want, go wherever we want. And when the kids really have had enough, it could be a gravel pit or it could be a gas station and you can still pull over or a beautiful forest, ideally, right? But you can still pull over and uh, and call it call it a day or a night. So so if you don't have uh, the, the RV, then definitely uh, timing your trip so that the kids take a break. Uh, my wife will often uh, berate me for trying to push it too long um, because the kids will go through different decibel levels of discomfort until everybody's unhappy in the car. So I highly recommend that you stop before that point, unlike me that often says, no, 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 just just, uh, just another few kilometers and we're going to be at this other campground. It's going to be beautiful, but uh, no point in making it there in a bad mood. So, uh, so I highly recommend try and layer your road trip um, to the speed of your, your kids and, and be relaxed on road trips. You know, we were in New Zealand and we had this giant camper van and it was fantastic in that regard, but we took it up this forestry road uh, to a lake that was just gorgeous and, and it snowed and it was the first snow of the season and it looked beautiful, but the road was just, or the parking lot uh, was just angled enough that we were completely stuck in the mud and we could not get the camper out. Um, so these things happen, uh, having, uh, the right phone number or, or who you need to call on a road trip for, for anything that's road related, uh, CAA, BCAA, AAAA, <laughs> not AA, right? <laughs> uh, sorry, wrong number. <laughs> Honey, I think we called AA, not AAAA. <laughs> the guy sounded drunk on the other line. No, I'm just, just kidding. Um, but, uh, but yeah, definitely have the right phone number and know, know who you're calling. Um, so, uh, sort of the Airstream, uh, you know, when you're traveling, um, there's definitely it's normal for parents to have, to be fearful of certain things in and in certain countries for different things. So, so in Mexico, definitely somebody taking your kid or um, having them get sick from food poisoning or having an accident and not having first world care if the private hospitals aren't available. Um, so all of these things are, are variables that we worry about traveling with our kids, and that's absolutely normal. But um, but being prepared or and being able to mitigate those things is what makes your whole trip so much more enjoyable. So um, so definitely, if you've got uh, I don't know if it, an agenda, but a like we've got a little bag where we have our passports and we have our vaccination cards and some extra money and just 
things that you might need as a as a last case scenario because traveling for families is huge right now and it's been for for a long time but i think particularly with the pandemic there's going to be an extra boom of people trying to get out you know 68% of people of families go on vacations on the holidays in the states there's 300 million trips that were booked in 2017 and i think they say it's going to be an increase of 25% every year now i don't know if they were taking pandemic in, into account at the time um but this is you know this is obviously something common and, and i guess for me it's more about just telling you how we do it and how it makes it most comfortable and enjoyable for us um making some of our trips a bit longer it most definitely is one of the ways in which we don't feel that we're missing out on anything um I've, we've got a few friends that you know are here for a ski season uh to test it out and see if if they enjoy it because um that type of lifestyle lends itself to a very uh relaxed oh i didn't have to, i missed skiing today but that's okay i've got the rest of the season to do it and and if your kids are going through that experience as well then it's a very enjoyable way, way to have uh you know a vacation that's a longer period of time so i guess on the travel on the adventure travel side what would be the hardest thing or one of the hardest trips that we've done with the kids and i guess that would be hiking up to wedgemount in whistler we did uh with two kids uh under the age of 3 so i think it was 3 and 1 uh mickey and katarina and it's 1200 meters of elevation gain um and normally we would be able to do it without a backpack in 2 hours to do the 7 kilometers and with a backpack and full gear about 3 and a half 4 hours i think with the kids it was going to be 6 hours so we got halfway not halfway three quarters of the way up uh and it was night and it was exhausting and the sections where that were sketchy for my wife to carry um uh Mikio through I would carry him through that then then she would wait with him then I would go back and get my other pack but it was such a difficult trip with because there's so much vertical that we ended up having to sleep on the trail and the and I think that's another thing that applies whether you're in the back country or whether you're on a touristic trip with your toddlers is uh to go at their pace so if it's if the kids have reached a point where they're like okay we're done we just want to crawl into our sleeping bags and sleep then we pitch the tent wherever that may be um my lady jumps in with the with the little ones and gets them all cozy and and happy and then pass them food and and that's it that's the end of the day <laughs> as much as you thought you were going to make the summit that day uh it's important to go to their pace to keep them them happy granted not everyone has the luxury of time that we often have on a trip um but i think it's very important particularly if you want to have it be uh, a good trip um it's important to push your kids but not too too much um because if they they feel that it's too much of a chore then i guess maybe like adults do with work they just won't uh, enjoy it anymore we've taken our kids internationally to iceland mexico new zealand the states all over the states turks and caicos um hawaii and uh and deep into Canada's north and um I definitely you know leaving on those tips recommend that the number one thing to be conscious about is to just have a good attitude about it um 
it is if you're if your trip coming up this winter is a ski trip i've got a few tips for that you know um i began by taking mikio just to the beginning of the hill and and doing tiny tiny it was barely skiing but he has his skis on um and i would just hold him between my legs and then uh we went on to the straps and that only lasted a, a few days on the soft magic carpet type of area and then he was able to do his pizzas um without but sometimes he he would still request to go uh, back to the, the straps but on a ski day you don't want to push your kid because they're gonna feel it was a miserable time if you do do so um definitely give them all the hot chocolate that you that they want uh and if they feel that you're not you're relaxed about the whole day then then they're going to be relaxed but but keep your expectations low because skiing for learning to ski as an adult is one thing learning to ski as a kid is much easier but it still takes uh, a lot of patience and having the right gear uh, is really important. You know, the other day we saw Catalina, who's now in ski school, um, warming up. She she was we could tell she was telling her counselor that her hands were cold. And my wife and I said, you know, we should send her with um, hand warmers in her backpack because it was a cold day. Even our hands were cold um, for future. And funny enough, uh, what we realized afterwards that they had actually put hand warmers in their hands. So in her mitts. So definitely having the right uh, gear, having them dressed very warmly in merino base layers down if you can, uh, will make for a happy toddler ski trip. Um, and if your kids are chill, then it makes it easier for you you to ski as well. Um, definitely don't, don't try and push them to, too much. Just do a, a lap sometimes is, is more than enough. Um, and if you're going on a tropical trip, um, sunscreen, super key, shade, uh, very important, bug spray, You'd be surprised at how many uh, uh, sand flies are on beaches in, in all, <laughs> all the Caribbean destinations or, or even uh, on the Pacific. Uh, Bella once had, uh, I think, 1,000 bites on a kayak trip that we did. Um, so that's very important. For the kids, beach toys, always for the win. There's a reason why they sell them at every gas station and every tropical destination in the world. <laughs> and obviously... Um, you're a carrier if you're doing planning on doing hikes we use the Thule uh, sapling to carry our kids when we're do, when we're out on adventures that they can't obviously walk the whole way uh, or a stroller with with big wheels that you can do pretty good distances again the Thule gear is great we're, we're huge fans um, and I guess that really pretty much uh, sums it up do you do you guys have any travel stories Paulina uh, what's your any tips on skiing with kids or or my lady um one travel story that sticks out in your mind you said uh, the last flight i think that she did and she was alone with catalina and ariella that one of them cried all flight and i think that was a neat story but um well there we go <laughs> oh here we go we got uh Wang Su on the line he probably has a few stories so uh Take next caller. So unmute your microphone, Wangsu, and then you'll be able to speak. There we go. Hey, yeah. welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, thanks for, for those unaware. Wangsu is not only one of my best friends, um, but my business partner and original expeditioner who uh, actually came up with the yeah. word expeditioner because it's not actually a word, it's expeditionaries. But anyways, I digress. Thank you. Welcome to the show. 
<laughs> Any stories to tell? Thank you. I do have a horror story with toddlers. Um, I'm all ears. Yeah, I remember when we were at the, what was it, Moraine Lake in Alberta? I do. And uh, you were out on the water with Shireen on a canoe taking pictures or trying to take pictures for one of your sponsors. Have the most beautiful... It was the okay. most beautiful morning. It had just snowed all around the lake. It was crystal blue. I don't think I've ever seen the lake in that splendor. I do recall. Continue. Yes. Yes. So um, you gave me two things. You gave me a, your kid back, like your Thule kid back. Child carrier. The child carrier with Mikkel in it. So I was I was taking yes. care, or I was carrying Mikio, and I had a camera because I was supposed to take pictures of you while you were out in the water with Shireen, right? You you were multitasking. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, I wanted to take pictures, so I put Mikio down uh, in the child carrier, and then that that child carrier thing has legs that you put out, so it'll stand on itself with the kid in it. The problem was it was right. on the shore where I was standing. There was lots of rocks. Yes. I remember very, lots of very rounded rocks. Yes. So, uh, so I put him down and, and I, I moved to reach out for the camera. And then in one split second, he just leans forward. Like the whole backpack leans forward. And he face plants on the rocks Ugh. and I was like and blood <laughs> yeah and then I lift him up and he, he seems okay but then he starts bleeding and then it just becomes like a this river of blood I was like what's happening and then he starts screaming <laughs> right because he's in pain right he's <laughs> and then uh, well the backpack uh, the backpack people don't realize but if you're in it your kid can't really put his arms in front to protect his face. Yeah, they can't move. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and he was what, like two years old? Uh, uh, yeah, about that. And that's why it's so important to make sure that the legs are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, anyhow, uh, yeah, so he starts crying. And then obviously you guys heard him. And Shireen goes crazy. And then yep. you guys start paddling back. And then, uh, and then we lost the whole day of yep. shooting because of that, because we had to go to the hospital. And get him stitched up yep. and everything. Uh, and well, no, we got to the the clinic and uh, and uh, on the most beautiful possible day that we could have had of shooting. I think that that video is still one of the yeah. best. <laughs> the one I got right before the screaming. Uh, but we took him, and right. this, and I guess, super applies to to traveling with a toddler. Is we went to the clinic, and the doctor said, "You know what? He's uh, his." His lip is cut open, but we don't do anything because it heals very quickly in children. And we're like, really? And, and we, when we first looked at the cut, it was huge. And when we looked at it again with her and hours later, it had closed significantly. So uh, so really, really yeah. neat uh, that that happens like that. Well, thanks for calling in with that story, Wangsu. And my kids no see problem. you as the bestest uncle ever so thank you for that i am uh grateful <laughs> <laughs> all right happy all right. to be here 
All right. See you at the airstream for the bonfire in what? Half an hour? Oh. An hour? Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Cheers. Right. Oh, well, that was uh, a very applicable story uh, to end this evening. Um, I do remember that day very, very clearly. Um, obviously, we only had Mickey at the time, and it and Bella was pregnant, I believe. And the the water was hues of blue that we have barely seen, but what's very special at that time of the year is that the snow makes a crown around the lake. And so we're out there, and I'm just my mind is blown by the, the splendor of, of us paddling. And obviously we're so ecstatic to be out together because having Mickey at the time is obviously a lot trickier to have to get out together and make that time. But we're out there and we're sh- taking pictures and videos. And I'm just like, I need to do it with my phone. I need to do it with my camera. And I need to do it with this. And then we start to hear screaming from shore. And not so much screaming, but more like crying and a very distinct, loud cry that we knew to be our boys, but uh, accidents happen. And, you know, we were also very early parents there, not so accustomed as we are now for accidents to happen Um, because oftentimes the kids go to school or or they're on the beach and they fall and they trip and they cut themselves and things happen. Um, And, and you can try and, and mitigate as best as possible, but they, they will still uh, happen. So your attitude uh, when you react to those things is most definitely what's most important. And so I leave you with that, with having the best attitude you can when you travel with your kids. Because for those that see us, yes, we're very chill and and happy parents, but we also have our moments where it's important to, to reflect, pause and be like, okay, we'll get through whatever this misadventure is going on. Um, we always do. So attitude and uh thanks for everyone to for coming on to tonight's show uh as you can all see i'm on a bit of a roll and and that's what makes it this app really neat is that uh you can interact uh with with people and with me and and i can hear your stories and you know i hadn't even thought of telling that story that that once who brought up uh on the show and yet it's it's a typical travel story and that was at uh Moraine Lake and Banff National Park. So um, so there you go. Thanks for, for joining me on this lovely evening. Uh, see you in the next uh, few days once again. And I'm Roberto for the Expeditioners, coming to you from Whistler, British Columbia, on this crisp evening. Expeditioner out. <laughs>